Thanks for joining us. You're listening to the Life Church Podcast. In these episodes, you will hear encouraging messages from our weekend services. If you'd like to know more about us, watch a live stream, or find the closest Eastern Iowa campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. All right, so we're kicking off the series passages in, <clears throat> in Matthew chapter 3. At the end of the chapter, there is the account of the baptism of Jesus. And so you know the story. Most of us know the story of the baptism of Jesus where Jesus shows up. His cousin, John the Baptist, is out in the Jordan River baptizing people. And Jesus shows up and John says, oh, behold, the Lamb of God, you know, that's who takes away the sins of the world. Like he recognizes Jesus as the Messiah. Um, and then they kind of go through this little tug of war of like who gets to baptize who and Jesus wins and so John has to baptize Jesus, right? And uh, <clears throat> when he baptizes Jesus, something really pretty, pretty profound happens, okay? First thing that happens is, is that this, it says that the spirit descended upon Jesus in the form of a dove. And so the Holy Spirit descends, that's the first thing. And the second thing was a word from God came out, of, just broke through the skies and it says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And so those are, this happens to Jesus right at his baptism. And then immediately after his baptism, he is led into the wilderness to be tempted. Let's look at this passage in Matthew chapter 4, starting with verse 1. I'm just going to read through it. You can follow along on the screens or, or in your Bible. <clears throat> it says, then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So let me just pause there for a second. Led by the Spirit, okay? It wasn't the Satan didn't lead him into the wilderness. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, okay? So he's just been baptized, and now he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And I just want to say this real quick. You can be holy and righteous and living for God, but Satan never stops on you. He will always come against you, Okay? All right, so that's all I have to say about that. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes, out, comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple if you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, <clears throat> it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said. This is Satan speaking to Jesus. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. So we're starting this series, a summer series called Passages, where we're going to be exploring different passages from the scripture. In this particular passage, you find that Jesus um, goes into the wilderness and he's tempted of the devil. And here's what's interesting. What Jesus does in each time is he responds to the enemy. He responds to temptation with, it is written. He talks about the word of God. 
Each time. Each time he pulls out his sword, the sword of the spirit, and he counterpunches. And when he's, what he's doing here, he's modeling for us how it is that we fight in this world. Like we have weapons in this world. How do we fight the enemy? And so God's word is a weapon. Are you hearing me? God's word is a weapon. If you think that you're going to fight, if you're going to live this Christian life that you're living in, if you think you're going to live this Christian life and be victorious in this Christian life by basically following the advice of your peers only, or just what you read in books, you're mistaken. You need God's word. You need God's word to be embedded in your heart and in your life. And so this whole series is really about, it's about bringing the word of God for this summer. And so there's going to be different speakers and talking about this offensive weapon that we have, the word of God. Now, before I get into this particular passage we're going to look at today, Matthew chapter 4, uh, about the temptations of Jesus, I think there's a, a, a need for some clarification. So about a year ago, it's a little bit embarrassing, but about a year ago, I was in a coffee shop and um, I was talking to some guys that I see kind of regularly at this coffee shop. I don't really know them, know them, know them really well, but I kind of see them regularly, you know. And uh, occasionally we talk, and it's usually just about 30 seconds to 45 seconds talk, you know. And, and so I'm talking, and he saw me there on a Monday, and he said, hey, it's Monday. Aren't pastors off on Mondays? And I'm like, no, my, my day off is Friday, is what I told him, right? And he says, oh, okay, so what are you going to do on Friday? And I didn't skip a beat. I said, I think I'm just going to watch some Netflix and chill. Okay, I just wanted to see who else knows this. So, so I didn't know this, right? So I said that, and then they started snickering. And I'm like, what, what, did I say something funny? I don't know what I said, you know? So I'm just going on talking, and then, and then the, person, the, the girl that was with him just kept, you know, laughing more. And so finally I said, what, what did I say? He says, dude, Netflix, Netflix and chill does not mean what you think it means. <laughs> and then I discovered, he explained to me that it's a, it's a cultural euphemism for casual sex. And I'm like, what? <laughs> How in the world does that mean that? Doesn't make any sense. That doesn't mean that, right? And how am I supposed to know it means that, right? So what happens is sometimes you're communicating something and what they're hearing is something completely different. So I feel it's important for us to have some definitions, a glossary of sorts, okay? And we're gonna talk about three words I want us to kind of and you may not think it's important to talk about these words because you might think, I already know the definition of these words. But I want us to talk about them first for just a few minutes, okay? The first word is the word sin. Again, you may not think it's necessary to define the word sin. However, the Oxford Junior Dictionary has decided to take the word sin out of the dictionary. And the reason they state, this is why they said, it says the word has fallen into disuse and is no longer recognized by the younger generation. And those who go, they go on and offer some synonyms. They say indiscretion, lapse in judgment, accident, mistake. But those aren't the same word. Those aren't the same word. The Bible doesn't say that you and I are mistakers. Right? We're sinners. In fact, in Romans chapter 3, it kind of gives us a little bit of a word picture of what this word sin means when... <clears throat> 
When the Apostle Paul says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that idea of fallen short, this word picture that's given there is this idea of missing the mark. Like there's a target out there, you pull back the arrow, you shoot, and you miss the mark. And that's what sin is. It is, we've missed God's standard. All of us have sin. Sin is a transgression against God. Thankfully, Jesus has done for us what we could not do for ourselves, right? When he, uh, when he gave his life on the cross so you and I could have access to the Father. When he was raised back to life again so that you and I could no longer have to, for you and I we should no longer have to live under the curse of sin in our own lives. So we don't have to be tied down to this word that we're talking about right now. We don't have to be bound by this word because Jesus has paid the price for us. Amen. Second word I want to talk about in this glossary is the word temptation. Now, you might think temptation and sin aren't those the same thing. Uh, They're not really. Um, In fact, the Bible tells us about Jesus that Jesus was tempted in every way, like we are, yet without sin. So temptation and sin are not the same. But culturally, we do have this little bit of an idea that we use temptation in a different way than how it's used biblically, for example. <clears throat> culturally, um, so, so we live in a culture, let's just, let me, start, let me back up. We live in a culture that's like live your own truth. That's kind of the culture we live in. Uh, you, you identify what is right for you. You live that out. Just live your own truth, right? And so, and so when you think of temptation, you feel like what you think of temptation is a draw or a pull away from, away from or violating your own truth, your own ideas. And yet, biblically speaking, it's completely different than that. Let me say, let me explain it this way. Let's say, um, let's say you're on a keto diet. I mean, I'm obviously not on a keto diet. Um, but let's say you're on a keto diet, right? And let's say, let's say that, um, uh, uh, let's assume that Starbursts are not part of a keto diet. Like Starbursts is my favorite candy. I said this a few years, uh, by the way, just so you know, I said this a few years ago and I landed with a bunch of bags of Starburst in my office when I said Starburst was my favorite candy. Um, I've run out, so Starburst is my favorite candy. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. no, Star, Star I, I really like Starburst, you know, and so, um, and so let's say, let, uh, you know, you're on a keto diet and Starburst is not really a part of, a, a part of the keto diet, and so you might... On this keto diet, you might feel tempted to eat Starburst. That's how we use the word tempted. I feel tempted to eat Starburst. But here's the problem. It's the Starburst really isn't, eating Starburst isn't really a sin. Like you might feel, you're on this keto diet, and you, it, it's, it might, it, you might violate your ideas, but it's not really a violation against God. And so really what we're talking about when we talk about temptation here, we're talking about a draw, a pull to violate or to go against what God has said or what God is, God is, or God's word says. Third term I think we need to look at is the word Satan, okay? Now when I talk about the devil, um, you might think I'm talking metaphorically. Like, um, like the devil is just a word picture for some other thing I want to say, but that's not what I'm talking about at all. 
In fact, the Bible tells us that Satan is an intelligent being that is behind all the evils of this world. Now again, you might think that I'm intellectually naive to, to believe in Satan. But all you have to do is just look at the history of evil. I, I do like to study history. And when you study the history of evil, you just, it's just amazing. Just, just for example, just look at the Holocaust. It's terrible. If you go to the evils and the atrocities of, of, of slavery, the last 600 years, it's, 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 it's terrible. All right, think about modern day slavery, hum, slavery, human trafficking, for example. The evils of, the, the evils of this world are, are just incredible. They're terrible. Even recently, where we've had the shooting in Buffalo, New York, racial shooting in Buffalo, New York, and then a deranged young man who goes into a school and shoots down 22 children. <clears throat> when you look at the evils of history, you cannot walk away from that and say, there is not some kind of strategic intelligence behind this. You cannot walk away and say, this is just completely random. <clears throat> but still, I think some people think that the devil is just this cartoon character on like with a pitchfork and Tom and Jerry or something I'm just going to say this <clears throat> if you if you if you hear me say the devil you hear me say Satan and you think eh, yeah whatever rich okay and I get it because we're living in this world this we're, we're in this empirical world of the west that we we kind of measure everything and you know we we think like we've got it all figured out and we have enough money in our checking account and we've got all the other things going on for us so really really Satan come on but if that's how you feel, I just want you to know something. That's exactly what the enemy wants you to think. That's exactly what he wants you to think. C.S. Lewis says this about, about this. He says, there's two cultures in which the devil operates most freely. It's either a culture in which the devil is overthought, so you see him behind everything and you, and you overestimate his power, or a culture in which he's dismissed and not believed in at all. Now make no mistake about it, there is a spiritual war going on and there's an intelligent being behind this and his name is the devil. In fact, it's much more intellectually naive to not believe in the devil than it is to believe in him. So Jesus obviously believes in the devil. I mean, that's exactly what's happening in Matthew chapter four. So if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you don't have a choice because if you're a follower of Jesus and he believes in the devil, you have to believe in the devil, right? And so he believes in the devil because that's exactly what was happening in Matthew 4. He's having this encounter, this, 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 uh, these temptations that were, that were happening in the wilderness, right? In fact, the devil is called the tempter in this particular chapter. Like that's his name. And so Jesus goes into the wilderness. It's not like a camping trip where there's a lot of pine trees and all that. This is a wilderness. It's a desert. It's a desolate place. It says in verse 3, the tempter came to him and said, if you're the son of God. Now, I want to pause here for a second. On the first two temptations, the first, this is the first temptation. Now, by the way, I think that this is, I think Jesus was probably tempted all 40 days, but they record like maybe the last three temptations of Jesus, maybe. I'm, I, I'm, I'm surmising on that, but I just can't imagine that he wasn't tempted until the very end. But... On the first two temptations that we read in Matthew chapter 4, it starts off like this. If you are the son of God, and here's what you need to understand. This is the doorway that Satan will often use to come against you. 
if you are the son of In other words, Satan was trying to, trying to challenge Jesus or make him question whether he is the son of God. Like, God said, you're my son. And now Satan's question, are you really the son of God? Because if he could get you to question who you are, then it becomes a whole lot easier to, for you to then fall away in sin. All right? In Matthew 3, Jesus is baptized. He says, Jesus, God says, this is my son. Matthew 4, the devil tempts Jesus and says, if you're the son of God, I mean, right out the gate, the devil comes at him and questions what God has said. And here's what I want to challenge you on. <clears throat> the enemy wants, you to wants to challenge your identity in Christ. That's what he wants to do. He wants to say to you, I mean, sometimes it's not, you might come, you're like, it's easy. We come to church, we're part, we participate in church, and we feel, okay, fine being in church, but then the little lie steps in and says, yeah, but, you know, does God really love you? I mean, yeah, you see, you're his son, but I don't know. I don't think, you're, you're more like a stepchild to God. And he's challenging your identity. If he can challenge your identity, then it becomes a whole lot easier to get you to sin. Right? Verse 3, he goes, if you're the son of God, tell these stones, tell these stones to become bread. Okay? So this is the temptation. The temptation is a, is, is a temptation of pleasure or physical appetite. The Bible calls this the lust of the flesh. Now, if you're like me, I see bread, like I'm hungry, and I want to eat, and I see bread, I'm like, well, I'm not very tempted, unless it's like bread lobster, cheesy rolls, or something like that. I, I, this is not super tempting, right? Bread. But, but keep in mind, Jesus has been fasting for 40 days now. So it's, he is literally hungry. And here's the idea that, that I think is presented in this passage here, is that the, 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 the tempter tempts us when we are most vulnerable, when we are hungry. That's where the tempter comes against us. When we're vulnerable, right? There's certain times, and you know this, there's certain times when the enemy can come against you, when you're weak, when, you're, when your energies are down, when you are more susceptible to, you know, mouthing off at your spouse. And that's when the enemy will come and he'll, he'll attack you, when you're most vulnerable. So what are your vulnerable windows? Tell me to be like, well, I, when I wake up in the morning till I go to bed at night. <laughs> that's one of my vulnerable windows. All day long, you know? Right? But I, I submit to you that there are times, and you know those times, you know when they are, when you are vulnerable for the enemy to come against you. So identify those things, understand when, and be prepared with the, with the sword of the spirit, with the word of God, to then be, to, to fight against that temptation, right? For Jesus, here's what's interesting, for Jesus it came after a spiritual victory. Like, like he was baptized, and I, I identify with this. I, I feel like there's times in my own life when I have been on a spiritual high, like God is just moving and speaking and just doing all kinds of stuff inside of my life. And then suddenly, I did this. And I'm like, what? How did I do that? I mean, I just came from here and now I'm over here. <clears throat> Jesus is baptized and then the temptation comes. And I think... Really, one of the reasons why we know that we have an enemy that, that's strategic, right? So don't be surprised if this happens to you. Don't, don't be surprised when you're making strides in your marriage because your marriage has been struggling. Don't be surprised that when you're making strides in your marriage, that's when the enemy comes. 
Don't be surprised when you're, you know, you're finally talking to some people about some of the things you're struggling with and you're trying to have some accountability and you're being open with other people that that's when the enemy comes. He's strategic. That's what he does. That's when he'll attack. And so there's a times that he will attack, but there's also areas in which he'll attack. And so we see here that, that, that Jesus is, you know, like when we're most vulnerable, certain areas in which he'll attack. And so for Jesus, it was lacking food. Like he was hungry, right? He was hungry. He was tempted when he was lacking. And this is often how the temptation comes. We're vulnerable when we lack. And so if you lack intimacy, if you lack companionship, don't be surprised if that's where the temptation comes, in the area of intimacy and companionship, right? I also want to point out here that the devil is not tempting Jesus with sin. Like eating bread is not sin. Let's go back to that verse. Uh, yeah, bread. Uh, Tell these stones to become bread so he can eat bread and satisfy his hunger. That's not a sin, right, to satisfy your hunger. So the issue is not the bread. The issue is not the what sometimes when it comes to sin and temptation. The issue is the how and the when. Like in this particular case, it would have been sin for Jesus to do this. But it's not because bread is bad. Let me, let me illustrate this with like sexual sin, for example. Sexual pleasure is, is God-given. It's a gift of God. It was his idea. He invented it. Okay? But that's the what. But the how and the when, there's some, there's some ideas about that. God has some ideas about the how and the when. And so for God, sexual intimacy is good, within the context of marriage and a husband and a wife, right? right? And so what the enemy does, he comes along and he says, hey, does God, did God really say that? Does God really care about that? Does God really want to hold back that, 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 you know, that, I mean, after all, God created it, right? And that's oftentimes how he attacks, right? That's how he traps us. And so Jesus responds to this temptation by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3. He says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the, mouth of, from the Father's mouth. <clears throat> and in this, it's an, an Old Testament reference to, to when the children of God were in the wilderness, just like he's in the wilderness, and they were hungry, and God provided for them. Right? And essentially what Jesus is saying, just in the same way that, that God saw his children and took care of them, he's going to take care of me. When I'm lacking, when I'm needing something, when I need help, God is going to step in and he's going to also take care of me. Second temptation. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 4, verse 6, he says, if you are the son of God, there, son of God there he goes again, the same, same phrase. If you're the son of God, he said, throw yourself down. Now, it's interesting because here, the enemy, for it is written, the enemy, Satan, quotes scripture. He quotes Psalm 91, I think. I'm not, yeah, I'll have to verify that, but he quotes scripture, for it is written. And this is, this is scary stuff, actually. It's oftentimes the, the challenge that we have is, is that sometimes somebody will, and, and he, he quotes scripture, but it's like out of context and it's not properly applied. And so what often can happen is we can be deceived even when, when somebody says, hey, but the Bible says this, and it takes you down another path, right? 
For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift, up, they will lift you up in their hands so that they will not, so you will not strike your foot against a stone. So Jesus here is tempted with pride. This idea of live your life, live your life trying to impress others. Now, honestly, we may not feel tempted to go up to the high, t- to the high tower of a building and jump ourselves off the building. That, I don't think I would do that. <laughs> That's not a temptation for me, right? But maybe you might throw yourself into your work because you feel like you have to impress people about how important you are. Or maybe you'll throw yourself into making money because you have to impress them with, you know, how smart or successful you are. Or maybe you'll throw yourself into your appearance because you have to impress them with how good you look. There's nothing wrong with those things in and of themselves, but what ends up happening is they become the things that we worship. That's the stuff that we worship, right? They become our identity. They become what's important to us. So Jesus responds in verse 7. He says, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Why do we test God? We test God because we don't trust God. God says, this is who you are. You're my son, and I love you, and I care about you, but then we got to put that to the test because we're not sure if he loves us. We're not sure if he really cares about us. One more temptation, Matthew 4 devil comes along, takes Jesus to this high mountain, shows him all the kingdoms of the world. And he says, hey, you, I will give you all this stuff if you will just bow down to me. Like you can have it all if you will just bow down to me. In other words, skip the cross, right? Take a shortcut. Jesus responds in verse 10. He says, Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Jesus rightly responds by underlining that this is really all about worship. In this life, who or what you do or what, you know, who or what, you know, you worship, that's the stuff that's most important. Who are you worshiping? What are you worshiping? And Jesus would say, listen, my affection, my worship, everything belongs to God. In fact, I can know where you are most vulnerable by knowing the things that you worship, right? Like if you worship comfort and security, then most likely you're going to be tempted to feel anxious and fearful. If you worship pleasure, you'll be tempted with lust and gluttony. If you worship money and possessions, you'll be tempted with discontentment and envy and jealousy. If you worship what other people think of you, like that's what... That's what makes you happy or that's what makes you sad is what other people think of you, then you're going to be tempted with with either pride or insecurity. And the idea behind all of this is not that any one thing is, 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 uh, uh, any one thing is less than worship. It's all, there's like what what Jesus, what Jesus, what we're, what we're seeing in this passage is basically there are a hundred million temptations out there and they all come back and are rooted in this idea of idolatry and, and worshiping other things besides God. Like God is exchanged for something or someone else. It all comes down to worship. And so the question is, do you trust God that he knows what's best for you? Do you? Right? Do you trust his timing? Do you trust his promises? 
Do you trust that he loves you? So Jesus is tempted three times, and each time he responds with, it is written. Now here's a connection I don't want you to miss, okay? Because in Matthew 3, Jesus is baptized, and when he's baptized, he's given some weapons. When he's baptized, he's given the word of God, like God speaks. In fact, this is my beloved son whom I'm, I'm well pleased. Is actually a quote from the Old Testament. God's, he's, he receives the word of God, but then he also receives the spirit of God. Those are weapons that he receives, and he needs these weapons for the wilderness, which he's about to go in. Remember, it was the spirit that led him into the wilderness, so he needs these weapons, right? These are the weapons that he has, and these are the weapons that you and I have as well. And so don't go into the wilderness without your weapons. It happens way too often. It happens too often that we come to church like this on a Sunday morning and get inspired by the worship the message speaks to you, and you maybe write a few notes down, you know, but then you leave church and don't carry your weapons with you. And then the week passes, and you feel tempted, and you feel attacked, and you're, just, and you're just floundering, and you circle back around the church, and you feel defeated and discouraged, and you just simply say, it happened again. I did it again. I gave in again. So make sure that you're always carrying the weapons that you have been given. The word of God, dive into God's word, live in a dynamic relationship with the Holy Spirit. There's so many times where I've experienced in my own life when the enemy has tried to come against me and there's been this, this voice, this Holy Spirit speaks and says, hey, now is the time for you to get up and pray. Now is the time for you to do this. Now is the time for you to do that. There's been so many times where I've felt like confused and disconnected and not sure what to do next when I'm reading scripture and suddenly out of the word of God, I, I hear something, I see something that God is speaking to me about. Amen. Right? Keep your weapons with you. One last thing I want us to just point out in this passage. <clears throat> like we read in the gospels of the temptation of Jesus, right? But how did they get there? Like, how did they get in the Gospels? Because it was Satan and Jesus. Like, Peter and Luke and John, they weren't around. So how did it get recorded? So I really, you know, sometimes when I'm reading Scripture, that, that, that stuff just goes, like, I should just normally read the Scripture, but then my head starts spinning, like, wait a minute, how did that get in the Bible? Like, how did that end up there? Because nobody saw it except Jesus, Right? And so I'm having this imagination of Jesus sitting around a campfire with his disciples one day, and he's hanging out with them, you know, and it's not necessarily a wilderness, but they're having a time out in the outdoors, you know, and, and Peter grabs a piece of bread, breaks a piece of bread to hand it to Jesus, and as Jesus grabs the bread, he's like, memory of the wilderness experience, and he says, hey, guys, let me, let me tell you something. Um, there, was a, there was a time that I was really tempted Peter's like, what? You? You were tempted? Really? No. No, yeah, really, I was, I was tempted. That's the only way that would have gotten in Scripture. <clears throat> and so, if Jesus can be honest with his temptation, then you and I can be honest with our temptation. Now, see, here's the deal. We... we Yes, you need the word of God. Yes, you need the Holy Spirit. I would pray that all of you would be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. 
One of the ways, if you're like convinced that that's, you can do that, but one of the ways that the enemy will come against you is he'll say, hide that. Don't tell anybody. Yeah, don't, 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 don't confess that to anybody because they, they, will, they, will, they will talk about you. They'll reject you. But if Jesus can be honest with his temptation, then you can be honest with your temptation. Amen? Let's all stand. <clears throat> You know, it's not weak. It's not weakness to be tempted. We're all going to be tempted. And so I want to just challenge us all on this. When you leave here this morning, don't leave without the weapons. Don't leave without the Word of God. And of course, I don't mean the Bible in your hand. That's not what I'm talking about. But I'm talking about this conviction, this, this heartfelt conviction to walk out of here with a with a desire, God, to let his word guide and drive your life 24-7. That's what I'm talking about. And when I'm talking about the Holy Spirit, I'm talking about sensitivity to the voice of the Spirit because the Spirit does talk to us. He wants to have a relationship with you. And if you can live that way day in and day, you, you will be tempted. I can tell you that. You will be tempted. But like Jesus, you'll be, you'll be able to say, it is written and stand against him. Amen? Amen. I'm going to pray for us. I'm going to pray for us there in Cedar Rapids. We have prayer teams here on the left and right. If you're here this morning and, man, you're feeling really challenged, like God, God is calling you, challenging you to step out, I'm going to encourage you to step out for prayer with them. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I just want to thank you, God, for your goodness, your grace, your loving kindness. I thank you, Father, that you hear us when we pray. And even now, Lord, you, you're you're speaking to our hearts, Lord. There are individuals in this room who have been hiding what they've been tempted with. God, I just ask that you would, Holy Spirit, help them to step out of that, to recognize that that's simply a lie of the evil one who wants to destroy their life and help them, Father, to find accountability, find a friend and confess their temptation or even their sin. I pray, Father, that we would be people of your word and people of your spirit. In Jesus' name, let's worship.